Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you from the Coffin Bunker on the Redan Hole in North Berwick. This is episode 22. Happy New Year! This is our first entry of 2021, and to celebrate, I bring you the voice of someone new to the game of golf. Many of you listeners are seasoned golf veterans, lifers, or even golf tragics like me. I find it all too easy to get caught up in my day-to-day nonsense of my golf game. So I find it refreshing to chat or play around a golf with someone that's just been newly bitten by the golf bug. I find it to be a nostalgic experience, helps me maybe realign perspectives and priorities more towards where they deserve to be for my golf skill level. Golf is supposed to be a game, remember? Kara Hildebrandt is the pastor at the Lincoln Park Presbyterian Church in one of Detroit area's downriver uh, inner suburbs. I know her from her time at the State Street Presbyterian Church in Bowling Green, where she and my mother became fast friends, uh, so much so that Kara officiated my wedding with the wife, lo, those many years ago. She's very active, participating in CrossFit and snowboarding when the opportunities arrive, and what intrigued me about Kara, as a potential podcast guest, was that she recently caught the golf bug. Badly. I mean, all in. To the point that she had set about to upgrading her golf clubs from the ubiquitous, nondescript starter set to something more performance-oriented to try to get more out of her golf swing and more uh, make the game more enjoyable. In short, she wanted a new driver. And there it was. There was the hook. I recognized an exceptional opportunity to examine the chicken or the egg nature of the impacts of golf lessons and golf equipment. Kara had been seduced by the new shiny objects that are uh, just everywhere in golf. And since she returns to Kentucky for visits semi-regularly, I gave her a hearty borderline impassioned plea to go visit the team where I practice out at Man of War Golf here in Lexington. I urged her to go for a fitting to help figure out what club might be best for her at a minimum. Kara, lacking the ego of a more seasoned golfer's biases and scar tissues, humored me. And what from ha- happened from there is what we really get into in this episode. That and her path forward. Her enthusiasm for golf, for Chasing that feeling of a golf shot that we've all craved as newcomers to the game really comes through, and I think you'll enjoy hearing it. Before we jump into that conversation, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is brought to you by me, David Hill, and only me. In addition to playing, writing, and talking about golf, I'm a licensed realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work both with homeowners buying and selling residential properties, as well as with businesses and investors on commercial properties here in central Kentucky. Are you thinking about making a change this year? If you are, give me a call or drop me a line. You can find all my contact information at davidhill.rhr.com. Also a reminder that you can interact with the show over on the blog at onebeardedgolfer.com. You can follow along in the adventures on Twitter at blindshotspod and find pages for the show on Facebook and Instagram. And with that, now on to my conversation about the practical challenges and excitements and victories of catching a fresh dose of the golf bug with my friend Kara Hildebrandt. Okay, 
When was the first time you picked up a golf club and thought, okay, I want to try this? I think I was in high school and it's because I had friends who loved to play golf. And so they were in Florida and I was visiting them in Florida and they said, Hey, we want to go play golf. You want to go? And I'm like, sure. I don't know how to play. Um, and they said, no, 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 that's fine. Just, you can drive the cart, which I was totally excited about. (laughs) And every now and then they'd be like, you want to try to hit a ball? And I was terrible at it. I mean, I couldn't make contact between the club and the ball. For the record, that's the sales pitch that fathers give their small children to coax them onto the course. (laughs) Gotcha. It makes sense. I love driving the cart. I mean, what person that can't drive a car is like, hey, you get to drive a cart. Okay. Um, And then they gave me an opportunity. They said, you know what, let's just let's pay for a lesson and see what what happens. And so in that lesson, it was just basic, like, grip. Uh, I still couldn't make contact. I took, I I went to the driving range once, I think in college, and I was still absolutely terrible at it. But a few years ago, back in 2016, I, my stress levels were coming up, and I thought, you know what, I need to get outside. It was one of those thoughts of, you know what, let me try this again. As I got older, I had enjoyed watching golf a little more than I was when I was younger. I also So how long was this break? A decade? Easily a decade. Easily. And so I went and bought the cheapest set of clubs. I... I got, you know, the $149 special of all the clubs in a bag. Bag included. Bag included, absolutely. You know, so low entrance. And I went, somebody said, hey, where I live, they said, you know, I'd like to go hit some balls. I'm terrible as well at golf. You want to go? And I said, sure, yeah, I need to get out. And, And it was so nice. Like, I got out on the green, the fairways. And I, I was like, you know what, this is, this is something that kind of, it calmed my spirit. And at the same time, it was, I I could hit the ball every now and then. And I was like, oh, oh, I seem to have improved as I gotten older, even though I've not played in a decade. I was like, so tell me about that experience then. What were... Going to the course as someone just coming back into the game without, I'm assuming you didn't have a spring training of arduous sessions on the range before you just went out and, and <laughs> tried to find some peace on the golf course. Right. So think about, take me back to, it was that a, a carefree, like, I'm just going to go and do this? Or did were there little butterflies? I, you know, there is some nervousness. It was a public course, so it was cheap. Okay. So that's one thing. But there is like, okay, is anybody going to be judging me? Now, the person I was with, totally non-judgmental, And so that was nice that I was with someone and I needed that. I think it would have been harder for me to just go out by myself at that point. I think only now would I be willing to go out and hit golf balls by myself. Whereas that was a needed like, hey, let's go, let's try this. And of course, the person, you know, written the golf cart, they were perfectly nice. And they're like, yeah, just go have fun. It was a small course. Uh, Most of the holes are par three. Mm -hmm. 
and we just had fun. I mean, we would be like, oh, well, we want to hit towards the water today. <laughs> Lose a golf ball. You know, I think you're fortunate in that that was your reentry point, that you weren't set up for failure oh, at, yeah. at a fancy country club or oh, a yeah, no. busy, you know, Saturday, first off Saturday morning tea time yeah. uh, where that pressure is going to intensify that worry of judgment and how many eyes are on me. Mm-hmm. And am I going to inconvenience someone else right. that gets ratcheted way up in other situations? So it sounds like there was some, some good judgment displayed in bringing you back into the game. Yeah. And the other person I was with also, I mean, we don't like it. It was, okay, if anybody comes up behind us, we're just going to move them on through because there was that sense of not wanting to feel pressure or is anybody like watching? So it was an even playing field for the both of us uh, with one another and both those hesitations of not wanting people, yeah, super crowded, didn't want that, uh, or like feeling that pressure of, wow, everybody here can, you know, drive 200, 300 yards and are semi-pro. Uh, I think the the thing that really helped was when I missed a shot that I watched the pros miss every now and then. And I was like, oh, look at that. I can do what they do in missing a shot. <laughs> That's one of the nice parts. And as you... As your golf experiences grow, you may play a course that the pros have played. And to mm-hmm. see them, that's what I do every time we go to South Carolina. There's mm-hmm. a course down there called Harbor Town that I will go play, that the pros play every year. And they'll get out there, and it's very narrow, so they're hitting it off into the woods, or the wind comes up and bites them, and you see, oh, <laughs> they're struggling just like I struggle. This is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it feels like you're not alone. And I think that's something that was really important for me in starting back in golf of not feeling like I was alone or isolated or that, well, no, you're terrible and you will never be anything more of, no, let's just go have fun. Let's see what happens. Let's have fun. And then that first time I hit, um, I actually made a par three. You made a par, par on, on a par three. three. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was like, how did I, wait a minute, I did that? And so then it, it, the bug just starts and people are like, hey, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go play some golf. Uh, it, as long as there's no judgment. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, you know, there doesn't, there doesn't need to be a judgment with that. Um, so you mentioned, circling back, you mentioned that it, it calmed your spirit a little bit. Do you think yeah. that was just the, you know, golf is an interesting game. It starts out being a physical challenge, mm-hmm. figuring out how to make the ball go where you want it, do what you want it to do. Yes. And then at some point, it crosses that peak and you're into a different challenge of mental challenges of the game. Can I, can I repeat what I just did? Can mm-hmm. I... You know, you start thinking strategically about the the golf hole. It's also when it's a physical challenge. Part of me almost longs for that sometimes because it was such an escape. Um, I do the same thing on the odd year when I may go for a jog. It's like the the first part of the the run is mm-hmm. I'm working out all my mental things. Yeah. I, I'm, I've, I'm away, and then at some point it becomes 
I have to focus on breathing. I've got to just keep one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. and breathing. Yeah. What was the sort of the, the peace or the calm that you found out on the golf course, even early on? So I think it's a couple of things. First is that I was outdoors. I was absolutely outdoors. And Michigan is beautiful in the summer. If if you haven't been to Michigan in the summer, go to Michigan in the summer because the weather is perfect. There's no humidity. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful blue. And there is something about just that cool breeze that comes through. And it, that was peaceful. The other thing, it's a peaceful activity in that my body is moving, but I am not doing high intensity. So I do CrossFit and that is high intensity and that helps my stress levels, but it is high intensity. Right. Whereas this is much more fluid and it's asking you to like slow down and pay attention in different ways than what CrossFit does. So it helped me with keeping my body moving but focusing very differently. The other thing is I'm an overachiever in a lot of things and I cannot be an overachiever in golf. Like there, it just, I would, I, I should stop playing because I can't be that. Uh, I will not be a professional. I will not be an amateur. (laughs) You know, as well as anybody, the Lord doesn't always give you what he wants or what you want, but he will sometimes provide you what you need. And maybe a little humility on the golf course is exactly what everybody could use now and then. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, and what would be the point of me getting mad about a shot? I, I, I'm not going to lose a sponsorship. Right. Uh, in fact, that was one of the things that I joked about often, and especially in the early days, I would miss a putt or I would hit it in the water and I'd be like, well, it's not like I lost a million dollar deal on that. Nope. <laughs> Just let it go. <laughs> but at the same time, one of the beautiful things about golf is that it does allow for incremental progress. Yes. Um, yeah. So from a relaxing game and a leisure, a true leisure time activity, which is what it, it sounds like you came back into golf with. Talk about sort of how you decided you might want to get better. Okay. Because that's always an interesting journey. I, I went through that maybe six, seven years ago where I said, okay, if I'm really going to play this game for the rest of my life, I might as well get a little bit better, figure out what I'm doing. Because I think under my own supervision, I'd gotten as good as I was ever going to get. And that wasn't, the, I knew the game, there had to be an element where the game could be more fun than what it was Yeah. kind of at that plateau. Is that, had you, have you reached a point like that or are you still ascendant in your, your golf game? Oh, I think I will always be ascending. <laughs> There's always something to improve upon uh, just from all of the mechanical things that I've got going on. Uh, from the muscles and my arms and wanting to be tense in my shoulders, all that. But the, I think, I think the pandemic led me to going, okay, let's focus on this. I did not get to play golf at all this year until October. And there's a number of reasons that that happened. I did go uh, once to Top Golf, which is in my area. And I was like, man, it feels good to hit again. And then I did finally get to play a game in October. And 
it was one of those moments where it was nice when I connected, but all of those bad habits or those bad things about my swing, it, it was kind of like, man, I, I really need to improve. And what can I do to improve? Is it, you know, the golf clubs that are the cheapest on the market? Yeah, the Meyer it, special bag. That Right, the Meyer special bag. Is it the fact that mechanic-wise that I can't figure out no matter how much I practice, I'm still doing the same things over and over again? So that's where I decided, okay, maybe maybe it's time to take this a little more seriously because I would like to hit the ball straighter. I would like to not always go so far to the right that I'm like, oh, watch out in the next fairway, four, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it, it was one of those moments where it's like, let's, let's try this and why not? So around Thanksgiving, had the opportunity to take a lesson and do a fitting. And my improvement after that was remarkable out of, of just one like lesson. Now this is an important point. I think people will want to hear or need to hear some. So you had the opportunity. You, if I remember correctly, you went kind of under the auspices of getting a fitting. Yes. Uh, of finding a new driver. Yes. That would help improve my game. Yes. Okay. That was, <laughs> so that was the magic bullet that you were, were looking for. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of people, frankly, there's a debate that goes in the online community, in the bar and grill room community. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to get better, do I need to get do I get new clubs and then get the lessons to teach me how to use them, or should I get lessons before I get new fitted equipment? So yeah, um, you know, kind of justifying the expense that I just I think there are some people they fear that okay, I've got this swing that I've got and. I'm going to get new clubs that fit that swing. And then if I go get lessons, then I'm not going to be swinging the different and I'll have wasted my money on these clubs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a conversation that you had in your head, uh, but that is some, that is kind of a, a debate. So I want people to hear kind of your testimony on what happened when you went to go get that shiny new driver that was going to fix everything. So I, I go for the golf, uh, the driver fitting and the person, the pro that was helping me, he was so great because, you know, he, he's been tasked with helping me fit for a new driver. Having never met you. Having never met me. And he goes, do you mind if I tweak a couple things? Try this when you swing. And I was like, yeah, hey, what, whatever. So it ended up, it was a fitting, I, it was in the same time period, but there were tweaks. So I would say it was a half of a, a lesson. And it felt amazing. So I'm messing around with trying to figure out a brand new driver while at the same time tweaking things about the way I hit. And all of a sudden I hit one and the ball went double the distance that I have ever hit it. And I was like, what was that? (laughs) We get to the end of the fitting. We decide which club is probably the best. And I was like, I'm getting a lesson. He's like, cool. And so right then I signed up for a lesson a few days later. And again, it one lesson and the improvement that I started to make In fact, it's really hard to believe that 
I have only taken three and a half lessons and just to see where I have improved, I mean, I, I actually hit the ball. I make contact with the ball each and every time. I now know what it feels like to hit the ball consistently straight. It, it's the most amazing thing. So I would say if getting a new club get you to have a partial lesson that it's like you can't say chicken or egg first like it's a both and at the same moment especially if you need a little motivation so I wouldn't do it any differently because I needed that new club motivation so you need it. So it's not a chicken and egg. It's a, a carrot or a stick. Or carrot is yeah. <laughs> you, you needed that that carrot up front. That okay. I'm going to. I'm investing in myself so that I can reap the benefit of the investment in a new club. Yes. Sort of way to think about it. Yeah. But definitely. But you're you're also and this is all just basically off of driver. This is not a full, this is not a full iron set and a whole bunch of new shiny wedges. Right. No, it it is just a a driver. I am, I am kind of cheap in some ways. And so for me to make a purchase like that, it is a Scottish game. So, right. (laughs) Right. I have to think long and hard about spending money that is beyond the $140 (laughs) bag set. Bag special. And so it'll be, It'll easily be another year or two before I upgrade anything else. But I will have that that new driver that reminds me to keep going and to keep trying. And so carrot stick kind of thing. And now that I've had the th- three lessons, it's, it's kind of one of those things. I, I now feel like I could go out by myself to the driving range. Like, I don't need somebody to kind of coax me or be like, hey, you want to go? It, you know, it'll be fun. No judgment. Like, you know, I think before I leave, I'm going to go back out to the driving range. So to be able to to be out there to actually work on your golf as opposed to a social, basically a social outing. Yes. Yeah. Which is a totally new thing for me. That is the bug. Yeah. You, you have it. <laughs> They haven't discovered a cure, so <laughs> so so now it's time for you to start managing your golf bug. Um, one of the things it's interesting. I always find it interesting when someone has a different perspective than me. I'm a washed-up old baseball player, okay. so going out to the and going out to the driving range was no different than going to the batting tee. Mm. You know the mm-hmm. old cages, just somewhere to improve. If I make a fool of myself, it happens. It's not, I don't want to, but you know, that, that fear of judgment, at least in the, at least at first or even at the driving range wasn't there. Um, I'm also a man mm-hmm. in a sport kind of dominated by men. So, yeah. and I'm Caucasian. So when I show up to a golf facility for better or for worse, I basically look like I belong. Yeah. Have, other than your own skill level, have you encountered any experiences sort of coming from the other side? Be, being someone that didn't grow up in golf, that mm-hmm. has a, you know, has a, a inexpensive set of clubs that, you know, is conscious of your swing or has yeah. golf been more welcoming maybe than what you expected? Um, I, 
you know, I was thinking about that of whether or not golf is more welcoming. I. It doesn't have a good reputation. No, it doesn't. I think part of the thing, maybe my perspective on this comes from the fact that I am in a career that is male dominated and that people pass judgment on me because I'm a woman and I don't really care. And so I feel like that kind of attitude probably goes with me into things, um, whether it's golf or something else. So that when I go into golf and yeah, I'm a woman and almost everybody around me is male. I don't really care because you just call that Tuesday, right? Just call that a Tuesday, (laughs) uh, you know, or they have preconceived notions of what I'm capable of or not capable of. I don't, my, the person that was the golf pro that was giving me the lesson, not an issue that didn't seem to be, that was not, uh, on the radar. He's like, you know, if you'll tweak this and this, you're going to be able to hit 200 yards. And I'm like, what? Yeah, he didn't say you'll be able to hit it pretty good for a girl. Right. Yeah, he never gave that. So maybe that's part of it is that I had somebody who was giving me a lesson that that didn't seem to be an issue. Uh, But again, I think my perspective and just the way I have to go through life in general just because of my career um, in a male-dominated world just, eh. Okay. Well, do mentally prepare for it when you start going to the range on your own, because it doesn't okay. it doesn't matter what range it is, where in the world. If there is a woman at the range, somebody will just they may not even be set up near you, but somebody will be just waiting for that opening. Some don't even wait for uh, a tacit acknowledgement of their existence. They'll just walk up to you and start, "Hey, that looks pretty good. Why don't you?" You know what you could do is ellipsis. Oh yeah. Okay. Or or just being. <laughs> Um, the helpful do-gooder, unsolicited advice is the bane of the golf world, but it happens <laughs> all the time. It happens at the range. It happens at the course. Yeah. So that water off a duck's back, just keep that mentality and you'll be just fine. Good to know. It, and, you know, maybe people have given me unsolicited advice all along, but I'm such a newbie at it that I'm like, sure. Yeah. Whatever you want to tell me. I couldn't help. I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. I did that and I shouldn't have before that, that fitting lesson. So I'm glad that, that yeah. your, your pro was skilled enough to overcome my idiocy, but it will happen more often and it happened <laughs> on the regular. So just, you've, it sounds like you've got the right attitude. So just keep that, keep that up and you'll be fine. Listen to him, listen to yourself and Everyone else means well. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've taken it that way that everybody totally means well. And like I said, I'm a newbie. There's like so little that I knew other than my grip, which now the golf pro has changed that, which is fine. Uh, It's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, if you say I'm like positioned wrong, then I'm probably positioned wrong or I need to sweep better, different things whatever it is. Now, you live in Detroit proper. Yep. Correct. So you live in the city of Detroit. You're not out in the suburbs. Well, technically I'm in a suburb, but it's very An compact. Inner, right. Yeah. Yeah, the the map of Detroit proper and, and its incorporated fellow neighbors is is interesting, but you're you're in the city. What is the, you know, being in the city, what are kind of the opportunities for 
a new person. You mentioned Top Golf being not that far from you, and it, it it kind of does its own thing, but it has had an influence, I think, on bringing maybe some people that wouldn't have exposure to golf otherwise. Yeah. Beyond that, are there programs, are there parks that are easy to access? So in my area, we have a lot of public parks, uh, which is nice, considering I don't live in a high-end area, so it's cheap for me to go play golf, which is really nice. That is not a problem. But beyond that, golf season is very short in the state of Michigan because it gets cold and snowy. (laughs) And even if it's not cold and snowy, it's probably wet. Mm -hmm. And so the ground is just not something you want to be out on. So really, Memorial Day to Labor Day is the window. So where I've gone to Top Golf is partially because the bay is heated and you're out of the elements. Right. So that's where my difficulty is now coming in of going, well, I want to play year-round or I want to at least be able to hit balls year-round. So where can I go? And and Top Golf is like 45 minutes away, so it's not easy for me to get there because that's 45 minutes of city driving, not not just clear open spaces. And so I need to find some place indoors or, or something else. Do they have domes in the city? You see that out more in kind of the suburbs. Yeah, th- the closest dome I know of is still 30 or 40 minutes away. Okay. So that's my issue is trying to find a place which I just need to do more research on. It, are there indoor places at some of the the city parks that I've played at? I, I don't know because I haven't paid that close attention until now. Right. Well, 2021, we're all going to find some new things. It's going to be a better year. So <laughs> yes. you know, maybe you'll find your, your place to practice. And you can come visit us in Kentucky anytime. We, we do practice year round here. <laughs> yes, which is very, very nice. I appreciate that. <laughs> um. Without the lessons, if you hadn't gone through this fitting lesson experience and kind of had a few aha moments, mm-hmm. what what would have kept you off the driving range? Or what what is that feeling? It's been so long since I was a beginner. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I've lost some fear, and it probably does me maybe a little bit of harm yeah. uh, with the golf game. But, but talk about just being someone that wants to be involved in the game, but maybe not having the surest footing of of place, of space and opportunity? So probably the greatest fear is that my ball, because it would go sideways, would actually hit somebody else. And so I'm more comfortable in a bay where there's walls or something Mm -hmm. keeping the ball from hitting the person next to me or crossing in front of them too closely. So that's probably number one is that because I can't control the ball. But now, now I can control the ball more. So I think that that has helped lessen that fear. Okay. Let me ask you this. How much, if at all, have you paid attention and do you differentiate between the the golf courses that you played? I know you've played Mm -hmm. a few holes down here at Kearney Hill. Yes. Which is kind of for us is a pretty nice public course in this area. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, is that something you take into account when you're deciding to golf, where to golf, who to golf with, or are you to a point where you just 
you know, at every opportunity, I just want to take that opportunity. Have you developed a golf palette, I guess is what a I'm saying. A golf palette. <laughs> well, I feel like that's about to change with me being able to drive further because the, the thing that's held me back is that I, I can't drive very far. So if it's a 400 yards, like Kearney Hill, like that is going to take me a very long time. And at some point, I may just pick up the ball or I may throw it, literally throw the ball. The hand wedge. The hand wedge, yeah, because it's just going to take way too long. Or I get tired. Mm-hmm. If, you can, if you can't drive 100 yards, then that, that's going to take a while. So I feel like that has been my palette of going, okay, if it's a longer course, if the pars are longer, then maybe I only do nine holes. Whereas if I'm where it's mostly three, I, I can do 18 holes. Right. So I feel like now if I can consistently start to get towards 200 yards on a drive, well, all of a sudden now that par three. Yeah, you're in a different part of the bell curve at that point. Yeah. Of, of golfers and golf swings. Yeah. So it, it's kind of eye-opening and exciting that my palate may be changing. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that really is awesome. Um, I'll get you out of here on this, and you've been very generous with your time, so thank ah, you for that. Absolutely. Is there any unsolicited advice you would give someone coming into the game, or if you've got a, uh, somebody in your community that comes and says, hey, I heard you were playing golf. Could you, you know, I'm thinking about getting into it. What would you say to them? Man, woman, child, adult, what have you found that you think you could you could share? My, I guess a few things. My advice would be, first of all, have fun. Don't take yourself too seriously. But then don't, don't be too judgmental on yourself. Find somebody else who's not judgmental and play and enjoy. Get the cheapest clubs possible. And if you're really serious, take that, just take one lesson, one lesson with a golf pro and see what it does. That's, that is fantastic advice. Now I'm, I, I'm kidding. I'm going to change my mind and not let you out of here yet because you, okay. you said something that made me think. So you didn't really grow up in the game. You've been around the game a little bit. Yeah. What has it been like and... What have been your sources, I guess, of information on things like etiquette? You know, they, they have fun. The emphasis on having fun, mm-hmm. unfortunately, gets de-emphasized sometimes in favor of some very silly things like dress codes and ah, yeah. uh, things like where to stand, what to, um, you know, it, things I take for granted because I've played golf. So, you know, don't stand where someone near where someone's putting. Don't lay your clubs in a certain place. Mm-hmm. which are in competitions, very formalistic things. People get, they make mountains out of these mole hills all the time. Um, are you picking that up just by being on the course and being around golfers? Or tell me a little bit about how that's worked for you. Yeah, I, I've had to observe. Okay. Uh, definitely. And that probably, that goes to being probably a little bit uncomfortable and a mm-hmm. fear of screwing it up. Right. But also of recognizing there's no other way for me to learn except to try. And if I can read as much about, you know, I, I, I'll do that. But it's just from playing with people who've played for a few years and are like, Oh, Hey, just so you know, uh, 
and not being embarrassed by it. Right. Of going, okay, I've got a lot to learn on this, so this is just this is just the way it's going to be. But it's mostly come from just the experience of it, and it probably has been much easier playing on public courses as opposed to the high end. Like, it, uh, what is that Tiburon in Naples? Yeah, yeah, that the pros yeah, play big, on big course. Yeah, I mean, if somebody said, "Hey, let's go play at Tiburon," I'd be like, "Whoa, okay, hold <laughs> up, just a minute." I mean, my game's getting a little better, but let's talk this through. Two secrets there. <laughs> One, the rule of thumb is if you can play relatively quickly, mm-hmm. the rest of the stuff people will let you slide on. Okay. And two, you shouldn't be uncomfortable because that's on your host to make you feel comfortable. Whoever mm. asks you to go there, all of a sudden, especially if they're if someone's at a private club and they ask you, hey, would you like to come play? It's on them to make you feel comfortable. Gotcha. Okay? So that's not, uh, yeah, there's a lot of kind of up by your bootstraps and and stand on your own two feet in golf but at the same time there's also an element of just good manners being a good host if someone asks you so but yes that sort of osmosis learning by osmosis i think golf could do a better job of presenting that kind of stuff that sort of information to people in a casual non-condescending way yeah because being being corrected all the time, well, that just leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Nobody... Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. Yeah, if, if someone's snarky or, or dismissive. So I think you've been very fortunate to be... To, your entry point has been with people of, sounds like, pretty reasonable standards, pretty reasonable yes. judgment. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, count your, your blessings on that one, because not everyone has that experience. Yeah, I, I can't imagine starting... At, differently than that and I hopefully people find a, a better starting point than uh, being in places where they're condescending or or putting down whatever you're doing because you did say the very first piece of advice you'd give somebody is to have fun and that's that's where the game begins that's where it should end so Hey, thanks for stopping by for this episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. Of course, a big thank you to Kara for coming on and providing me with a refreshing perspective on the game vicariously through her journey and my own nostalgia. Should note that Kara also produces her own podcast, Conversations Beyond the Pew with the Rev. So if you need a new voice in your ears, if you're looking for something new for the new year, please check out her show wherever you host and store your podcast feed. And while we're digging around on iTunes or Spotify or Player FM or whatever platform you use, take a second to check out the Talking Golf History podcast with Connor Lewis. His show and this show are both members of the Talking Golf Network of Shows, which are some of the best golf podcasts around, if I do say so myself. His most recent episode with Ben Wright features some of the funniest, most candid stories that you're going to find anywhere in golf without requiring a parent's consent. Finally, please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Tell a friend about the Blind Shots podcast. For you Appleites, head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating for the show. Every time somebody leaves a rating for the show, a ball mark gets repaired 
on the green of your favorite golf course. For you non-Apple listeners like me, share an episode with your friends on Twitter or Facebook, and check out the show's Instagram feed every now and then. I sincerely hope that you liked what you heard here. If you didn't like what you heard today, sorry, I can't do anything about it now, but I will try to do better next time. And I hope you will join me next time here on the Blind Shots Podcast, that you're being safe and smart and somehow keep insane out there. 2020 is gone. A new year is here. So let's be positive, everybody. Stick to your training regiment. Do decide to go for it and take dead aim. Yeah, they, they really just let him, like, no, you go first. We'll be right behind you. Promise, buddy. Uh, just, just go. Just go. Just go out there. Just, just, we're right behind you. Right behind right you. Right behind you. Yep. Close the door. Close the door. <laughs> yep, that's exactly how that went down. <laughs>